podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Ladbrokes. Well, that was a fun one to do, Mark, particularly when we got to talk about Champions League for a change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we never get to talk about it. No. This is like, we normally do it on a Monday, don't we? Or on a Tuesday when the first games are being played. So this yeah. was, you've come to the right place. It was a really good game last night. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. Well, we'll find out why you missed it, won't we? Yeah. You silly old plonker. Enjoy. Uh, hang on, no, I don't want to go yet, because <laughs> I also want to trail this. We talk for way too long about yoga. Oh, Do you remember yeah. that? Well, it's worth hanging around for. There's a few people that do know this story, but um, I was a different guy back then, Mark. Yeah, I don't think you were. I, don't th- I, think, I think legally you might be in a spot of bother, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> don't, do not answer that door. <laughs> Enjoy the pod. Right then, I mean, there's only one place to start this week. Uh, Liverpool 4, Barcelona 0. Uh, everyone knows the result, everyone saw the game, unless you're living under a rock or you spent the evening uh, in a sort of cinema in East London watching a Chinese subtitled film. Who did that? I don't know, who did do that? Uh, Was it you, Mr Gritton? I didn't. Who thought Liverpool were going to do that, though? <laughs> Realistically, I mean... Who wouldn't go, I'm going to go for a delicious Chinese language film in the Barbican. Yeah. Subtitles. How, how busy was the, was the screening? It's a good six to seven people in there. <laughs> uh, what was the film called? Uh, what was it like? Ash is the Purest White. I might just have to check that. I mean, no, okay. uh, no, I, no I didn't need it. the subtitles because I, you know, my... my Your Mandarin is very strong. <laughs> it is re- uh, we've always said that. Yeah, we have. Uh, okay, well, you, you missed what, what I honestly think was one of the best comebacks that I've ever seen and I now spend a few minutes just sort of saying how impressed I was by it it was mm. have you seen the highlights since I watched the highlights when I got in last night but it was like watching Game of Thrones after everyone's told you what's gonna happen it's like you know it's, yeah she's, of course she's just gonna stab the guy now and that's but that. you said that it was you said that it was not as impressive in the highlights and I know exactly what you mean yeah. first of all you know what's happened right yeah that's it exactly but, that- but the highlights also I think really shows you how dominant Liverpool were, but it doesn't really show you how poor Barcelona were. We'll get onto that later on. We've got Miguel Delaney from the Independent coming on later on to talk to us about how bad Barcelona are and the repercussions for that. But Liverpool, from minute one, had them rattled. It was absolutely unbelievable. I mean, we know what sort of football they play. They play high intensity, at times a full press. It's just energy levels are incredible. Yep. And we, they had a little dip, didn't they, in sort of end of Feb, March maybe, where, where they seemed a bit tired Which in happens. games. Of course, City. of course yeah. it happened. And they still won all those games. Yeah. They still ground their way through it and still won. But last night, it, it looked like they were three months into the season, as fit as they're ever going to be. There, there were times, Barcelona towards the end, 80th, 85th, 90th minute, pushing, needed one, one goal they needed to win the, win the tie. And every other team you see Barcelona play against, in that, in that situation... There'd be every man on the 18-yard line defending it deep. Yep. Barca would they'd find a way to score, right? Yep. With this, Liverpool kept on. Pre- they were forcing Barcelona back to their keeper at that point. Yep. I could not believe how impressive they were. And in a way, and this sounds so over the top, but these sorts of games remind you why you love football on a deeper level than just you enjoy the game. Yeah. Because it shows you what what sort of people's potential can be and, and how when you see someone fulfil their potential mm. it is absolutely unbelievable watching James Milner yeah. in tears at the end well, this is a-, a guy who, who has a whole parody Twitter account about him being a boring guy seeing him that emotional absolutely I don't like Liverpool as you know I had an right, absolute though. lump in my throat throughout that yeah. 
Well, that's, that's his, you know, let's leave Let's that talk there. about that, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> no, I think it's really interesting because I think there's a real sea change in the kind of the psychology of those teams. So Liverpool are more, when you talk about Liverpool, you don't necessarily have to talk about individuals. Even though when Salah and Firmino weren't there last night, it's like when you look at Spurs and people, you'll, you'll look at the team and go, yeah, they're not the same without Kane. It's kind of, they made that irrelevant. Same as Liverpool yep. do it with their squad, even though you look at them, but the teams that haven't really got that same sort of, I don't know, ethos, say Chelsea haven't quite converted to Sarri Ball and United. Yeah. If they play a weaker team, you know they're going to get hurt. Yes. You know, whereas Liverpool, it's like, no, because they all buy into this. They know what they're doing. They know the system. Yeah, and the guys yeah. that come in are ready psychologically. They were talking about this. Devo Carigi, how, mm. you know, it's it, it's like a striker coming in that you're like going, oh, well, he's not as good as the ones before. But instead, it's like, no, this is my platform. This is my yeah. moment. You know, and that's a real difference. Well, but, look at the difference between, I mean, you, you mentioned Spurs there. And Spurs are a good example of an excellent unit with maybe not quite the right, Maybe the depth of the squad haven't bought into it as much because you, when you look yeah. at when you look at Origi coming in and doing a job last, I mean that was that was one of the great Champions League semi-final performances from a number nine last. He was when unbelievable. Him, yeah, one item as well. Was, yeah, but yeah. you look at Lorente at Spurs coming in and he, he you know he struggles a bit more because he maybe hasn't bought into it as much. But I think well, I, I was going to ask you actually, how much of this is the cult of personality that is Jurgen Klopp and the. We talked about this this for months when Liverpool scrape through games, maybe with a bit of luck here and there. The sense of destiny that they have yeah, and the sense true. of belief. And when you see last night, I think only Liverpool, I don't think Man City get near doing that. Only Liverpool can do that. Yeah, no. And I wonder how much do you, do you put down to Klopp? Is it all down to Klopp? In, in, percentage wise, what would you say? I, oh, wow. That's Jesus really Christ. Nice. Don't know if you can hear that guy outside. Nice. Pardon me. Do a wheelie. Um, yeah, but the Klopp, I think Pep does have that, and I think Poch has it as well. But I think Klopp, um, the, you look at the way he was talking about that the, they were still dreaming in the kind of pre-match. He wasn't talking about playing a weakened team. He wasn't. He was talking about you know daring to dream that sort of mentality approaching the game. And the guy is just pure charisma, you know. And I've, when I used to do some gig with New Balance and like kind of go to meet him, and he's an imposing guy. He's like mm. bigger, you know. I, he's tall, he's tall yeah, guy, he's taller yeah. than me, and he's kind of, and he's got this just kind of big smile. But he also the way he treated everyone with the same respect as yeah. you would hope. You know when you see people that look nice on telly and actually they turn out to be yeah. assholes in person because you're like, well, you can't be that nice all the time. You can only be nice to the persons you want. Um, <laughs> Uh, Mark's just doing an impression of uh, someone else there, but we'll, we'll, uh, do you know we'll use his picture. We'll use his picture. See if anyone you are actually listening. Um, so yeah, I, I think he has that uh, that unbridled charisma. But even more internally, his internal communications with that team, the way he gets them to buy into. It. I mean, like Mo Salah coming on with a never give up t shirt, yeah. and like Frankie, I love Frankie that. says relax. It was hilarious, uh, uh, brilliant. I mean, I, I'm not a fan of Liverpool, but I watch it and I, and I feel completely. I can see why they're inspired by this guy because yeah. I'm sitting on my sofa feeling like I could do anything. Yeah, these guys That's just, just gone and done that. So we'll just get a pizza and yeah, just, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. not one out. Um, Two, <laughs> ding ding. I said anything. Um, but where do we go from there? I think, uh, to be honest, it's a nice to be. It's nice to be able to talk about that because I, I, I think um, it's one of those ones our pods kind of straddle the the Champions League games. We never really yes. get to analyse it. So That's right. uh, there's a cracking game tonight. Ajax Spurs, um, but a winnable match. Imagine being a Liverpool fan getting to watch that game tonight. What an absolute gorgeous position you can to be enjoy in. Enjoy yourself and, oh, and know that you're the favourite no matter what. However, what I would say is. Whoever goes through out of Ajax and Spurs will be the underdog, and I think both those teams favour that. But one thing we should definitely talk about with Liverpool is their fitness levels. I mean, I mentioned it a minute ago, but absolutely 
unreal, right? They, they play this certain way. Spurs play it. Man City play it. And that's about it in our league, really, that, that high-intensity press non-stop. And I think when you look at teams like Man United, and you've got at the minute this whole thing about, oh, they're not fit enough. Jose didn't get them fit enough. And I think that's partly true. That it's not that they're not fit players. It's a different sort of fitness. So United are, uh, have been trained to uh, absorb a bit of pressure and then hit on the attack. So it's more explosive. So it's more like you'd see in an NFL game, the way they play. Whereas Liverpool, their fitness is more like a, a marathon runner or a, a tennis player where it's just consistently yeah. going at the opposition, right? And so I think that it's like they're playing a different sport entirely to United or Arsenal did the same thing as well. It's, it's not that they're not fit players. They've just been coached differently. I mean, you, you were a player. There, there must be a difference between not levels of fitness, but... Uh, uh, different styles of play must lead to different sort of fitness training. They do. Well, I think we touched upon it the other week where City and Liverpool, I imagine the best teams I ever played for were the ones that on, we'd have our 11 v 11 on a Thursday, which was basically the reserves with the first team. The reserves just wanted to batter the first team. We just had it in for them. So the tempo of those games was probably harder than some of the league the matches game, we yeah. played in. So you get used to that. So when you've got City and Liverpool, you add the class of those teams. And even Spurs have got, you know, maybe not strength and depth, but the guys that want to prove themselves, the ones that strike me is examples are McTominay and Foden who are almost like this kind of fit as a butcher's dog skin and bone but same as Darren Fletcher the kind of guys that came through even like Tom Cleverley's and all these midfielders that have you know had their moments but you're 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 wearing at 100% you're just so finely tuned you know and it can if you've got all that around you man you just have too many of the guys that aren't like that and it's amazing our bad apple just makes you well you like Luke Shaw the kind of the little clip people were showing of him walking back in but you can't have one going and not the rest you've got of them go going. Got to go pack, or you'll get yeah. picked apart. And, and there's some players that body language doesn't help them, like Pogba. It was the Ozil thing as well, isn't it? It's, he, yeah, exactly. He's got a language style of running, therefore he looks lazier than he probably is. And you can get the reputation. You can be an early riser, but if you've got the re- if you if you turn up for work late once, mm. everyone blames, says you're a lazy or That's you, who you, you are. Turn, yeah, exactly. So your reputation is set. And whereas Liverpool and um, City and and to some extent Tottenham, even the ones that are out of the team, like Danny Rose and that, you think these guys are in Siberia and there's no chance of them coming back in the team. Yeah, yeah. And then they're back in, not only are they back in, but they're the they're major players in the team and, and they're the ones that the spokespeople put up for media and then they come out and saying, you know, how pre- the waxing lyrical about the manager and you're mm. just going, This is this is that's what you want from your football yeah, club. Yeah, of course. Yeah, the the United thing, I think they will be a lot better off. If my theory is right, they'll, the they'll be better off <laughs> with a, a full pre-season of more high-intensity, almost sort of, um, what sort of training, interval training? Where yeah, you, where yeah you... but it's, it's, and it's almost like that mix of aerobic, anaerobic, sort of yeah. 400 metres, sort of, that sort of fitness where you're just like, you're burning and you're yeah. tasting, you know, you can taste from the week blood. One, From week yeah. one of, of, of pre-season. Because for the three months of Solskjaer, they were doing that. And now they look gassed after 20 minutes of every game. And I, I, I think that has to be something to do with fitness. And But the psychology of that is also the fact that they're just not very good at being able to react yeah. to things because they're, they're so fragile. I think there's an, that psychology where they were so broken by Mourinho that it was only papered over the cracks. So perhaps that's something that can get, avo- get sorted out in postseason as well. Yeah, absolutely. Right, we're going to take a short break. Uh, back in a minute.
The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Ladbrokes. It's uh, a pleasure to welcome independent chief football writer Miguel Delaney with us on the on the phone. Hi, Miguel. Hello. I'll introduce uh, Mark Smith here with us. Hi, Miguel. How are we? <laughs> All right. Well, yes. well, Sorry for the formal opening, but yeah. it just seemed yeah. that we, we need to set up yeah, we did, the, we did. the premise. Uh, well, we, we spent the first half of the podcast sort of waxing lyrical about Liverpool last night. Um, but I read your piece in The Independent today about just how bad Barcelona works. It's easy to overlook that, I think, with all the sort of clamour for superlatives for Liverpool. So talk us through what you saw last night from Barcelona and how that impacts them going forward. Yeah, I mean, Liverpool were obviously brilliant and had an incredible force of will. But part of the reason that was so effective was because there was almost a complete absence of any sort of resolve or will in Barcelona. In fact, it was alarming that like a team of repeat champions, some of the repeat European champions, like Busquets, like Jordi Alba, uh, like Gerard Piquet, you know, so badly crumble like that. Even, I mean, there's been a lot of discussion about Messi today, I think. Um, he did have his best night, but at the same time, he still kind of did his part, which was essentially, you know, set up, about, set up two one-on-ones, uh, create chances for himself, and still look dangerous. He's the centre of it they did. Um but yeah, I mean, and it, it speaks to a greater problem within this team, especially given this is the second year in a row where they've, uh, they've they've gone out after a collapse. And like it's since, since 2017, and basically since Barca's own massive recovery, the 6-1 against Paris Saint-Germain, mm. there's been a total of six Champions League comebacks from two goals down or more in the first leg. Mm. And Barca have been responsible for two, two of the collapses, which is actually incredible, mm. really. Um, and I, I think it goes to the way... There's a few things to bring in here. Probably, first, first of all, was the manager Valverde, who will may well get sacked after this. Um, I think he's a good manager to a league level, but it almost feels like it's it's a very kind of overly pragmatic approach for a, a team like this, uh, in which even in the league, it basically it's basically just putting in a structure that's designed to keep, keep it tight and get the best out of Messi, which is you know has has its limits at this kind of level. But then I'd say you could also say that. This Barca squad, it isn't as strong. It's going to be it's going to be the weakest they've had since maybe before 2004. Beyond Messi, I mean, Messi obviously crowds so much, or you know he dominates so much. But the rest of the squad around them isn't really best served. And like when they're in a situation when they're signing players like Kevin Prince Boateng as one of their squad players, I mean that, that kind of points to some <laughs> of the Barcelona. Problems Who's in charge yeah. of these these signings? Uh, well, they have had like there's been oh, not quite. Um, uh, a power struggle, but they've been like they've had, they've had two different sporting directors the past few years. Know who's responsible for what? And given given how political a club it is, uh, that's, that that becomes kind of a, a very pro, a prominent debate when they're up for elections within two years' time. Um, so some of it, to be fair, is that they they've actually been economically mismanaged over the past few years, in the, in the sense that their their wage bill is so astronomically high, it forms a huge. In proportion to their revenue, which meant they, has meant they have had to turn to, to signings like Boateng, and I mean, it almost feels like kind of a situation where, which is like Madrid were when they were at their worst run, and when the Galacto was really on the way down and not winning anything, which is they buy one big player and then complement it with two or three kind of um, you know squad players that shouldn't really be at Barca, um, and and this even precedes Messi's massive wage. Um, I mean, but to be fair again, Messi's the one player I think he really justifies that way, so you can't complain there. Mm. But it has created a bit of an issue in the sense that um, it has maybe slightly restricted their their potential wage bill. 
but at the same time, I don't think they've managed it well, uh, and that's kind of come home to roost at Anfield. Yeah, sure. I mean, last night on the pitch, in terms of on on field personnel, it seemed to be. It seemed to me to, to sort of smack of arrogance and complacency. Like they, they thought they were through already. You had players in, in PK and Busquets and, and Messi who have won everything. I mean, Messi's, I think, separate to this as he actually put in a shift last night, I thought. But Busquets in particular and PK look like, compared to Liverpool, that they've achieved everything they can in the game. They just didn't seem that bothered. They didn't seem like they could handle anything, any sort of adversity. They, they would just crumble at the sight of it. Well, that's, I mean, you can almost, you can almost kind of count the game out in phases of Barcelona's psychological reaction. The first thing, as you say, it did really feel as massage if they just thought they had to turn up, that they thought they were in the final. And then they were, very, they were, they started to get kind of shaken out of that by the way Liverpool came at them. And it was, you know, I mean, and this kind of sums up the problem in many ways. It felt as if they were, they were trying to basically, you know, take the pace out of the game by kind of methodical passing. But that didn't take the pace of the game because all it meant was that when Liverpool came crashing into them, they didn't have this, they didn't have the intensity to match Liverpool. Liverpool go ahead then, and then suddenly they panicked, especially in defence, and in a manner they never really escaped to this game. And that, and that panic eventually descended into this kind of pure, you know, almost thousand eyes, thousand yard stairs and kind of general distraction. Because I mean, how, how else to explain that last goal? And it is actually when you when you really stand back. As incredible as that moment was for Liverpool, for all it means, and it'll probably go down in European history, it's amazing a goal so momentous also had such a, a massive element of farce. Yeah, that that capitulation by Barcelona kind of summed up in that moment, wasn't it? And just yeah. that complete lack of concentration, such an for such a a great position to be in, and such a, an amazing prize to be thrown away for such a, a lack well, of I mean, concentration. That's, that's I mean, this is a club where they've dominated Spain, but it's really irritated them and really irritated Messi that. Madrid, and to be honest, have been relatively speaking a pretty poor Madrid side, has at the same time dominated Europe and got the, the trophy that they already want. So they were so determined to win it this year, and it couldn't have been better set up. Yeah. The, the path completely cleared. Madrid are out, Ronaldo's out, which still would be you know personal to Messi. They go 3 0 ahead in the semi final. The, the other semi finals between Spurs and Ajax, yeah. they, they would be strong favourites and who are both weaker than Liverpool. And then they go and squander. All of that—it's—it's actually—it's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, just a, a final thought, uh, Miguel. Just moving on to—we're um, talking about capitulations of sort. Uh, Man United, because I know that that's the kind of final nail in the coffin for them. Was at the weekend. It feels like a long time ago now against Huddersfield. But um, just your your thoughts on that, because I know you've written a lot uh, about Oli and just the situation and kind of what 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 now for United. I I was thinking about this actually last night and in the build of it. I think what what now for United could even be that they get caught next season and could could well finish outside the top six. Um, and people at the club fear it. I think they're just, I think in comparison to the sheer efficiency which Liverpool are on, United are a, to, a total opposite. I think there's been bad decisions all over the place. Um, I, I think Solskjaer was a, a, a wrong appointment and the way he was appointed basically sums up one of the many problems and it was almost a kind of an... Uh, you know, on the hook decision uh, that was guided by emotion or cool thinking, and yet at the same time, it's sort of massive sympathy for Solskjaer because I think he's in a, uh, diff- a really difficult situation there with a mismanaged squad. Again, it's going to be—he's been mandated to clear out, but it's going to be difficult to clear players out because the contracts are on. Um, you know, they're, they're now, they now have to upgrade the squad. That's why they Champions League football, and with everyone knowing the situation at Manchester United, it's, it's not a good dressing room. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, mm. 
It's okay. Basically, I think it's going to be a long time since they're in a title challenge. Yeah, well, I, I think you might have some shared opinions on, on, on that in here today. Listen, Miguel, thanks a lot for joining us and uh, look cheers, forward to, to look no, forward sir. to yeah, cheers and look forward to reading your thoughts on Spurs Ajax tonight as it's happening as we speak. Cheers, Miguel. Cheers, thank you. Well, that was Miguel joining us, or hey, thanks, El, Miguel El Del, as we call him, uh, when he's talking about Spanish football. The, El Del, uh, El Del. Yeah, the like big that. Mig. So, uh, no, always a pleasure to have him on. Very learned, and uh, perhaps some of the the most kind of most cerebral, uh, well, cerebral team, the independent with him, Jack Pitbrook and Jonathan Liu that are coming out with some absolute Very belting. Good. Yeah, really good Every stuff day, at the minute. Good, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, we had to sort of let him go there quicker than we wanted to, but he's got to watch the Spurs-Ajax game, which is happening as we speak. As we bloody speak. And as we bloody speak, yeah. it is 1-0 Ajax. Isn't it, Leon? Yeah, 1-0 Ajax. <laughs> Big beamer from Leon there. So um, Spurs got a lot of work to do, but as we saw last night, never give up! <laughs> Come on, Arsenal! Get the T-shirt. <laughs> Um, Spurs tonight then well I mean we know they're 1-0 down um, well they've cemented they've cemented the Champions League place let's, for next season yeah that's sorted it's weird talking about that as it, it does feel very strange yeah but I think what, what do they need to do to have a shot at cracking that top two Levy to spend some money perhaps mm. you know the fact that they've not spent any money this season is, abs- ab- is absurd I don't know you know obviously there's mitigating circumstances with the new stadium but they've got to get that sorted they've got to get how good would they be if they had a couple of brilliant signings going? I think that the, the defenders they've got they've got a really good solid midfield solid defence if they brought a couple of really creative options up front mm. to the team you know Lucas Moura is a, you know he, he's a bit part player in the same way that De La Feu, you know comes in and out of games but Spurs need more consistency than that so yeah. um, you know sign De La Feu. But yeah, but in the <laughs> sort of broader scheme of things with Spurs Mora can't be a bit part player can he because he has to start every game pretty much now yeah. because they have such a thin squad and when you have people like Janssen coming back in I mean I thought, he'd, I thought he'd left the country months ago but yeah. here he is getting minutes in the Premier League it's just like I don't really I can't see what the excuse could be for Spurs I, I accept the stadium thing uh, and the worry would be that Arsenal had a similar thing with theirs and didn't spend a lot of money for a while. Yeah. And actually, they don't really won anything since they moved to the stadium, <laughs> have they? So that there is a risk. However, I trust Levy that he is savvy enough as a businessman that he's got something, surely, he's got something under his hat. Yeah. Well, because Spurs need, I mean, I think it's they are three starting players off having a good shot at cracking yeah. that top two, which looks impenetrable at the minute, but I think they, they could do it. They've got. They seem to have to shuffle the pack quite a lot. They've got, you know, the rotating centre halves. Davison Sanchez is only going to get better. I think he's. I really like him, but he's not. He's not got forty games in his no, locker. And he's still very young. Yeah, he yeah. is really young. Um, and and he, who do you replace? I mean, assuming Alderweireld goes. I mean, we've got. You've got to assume he's going to go. Yeah, they haven't signed anything yet. So but they would also. They're the kind of club that would get make someone good. Do you yeah. know what I mean? They yeah. take a. It, I, just a ridiculous situation. Who's, who's the name on top of your head? I know, like a, the weird thing is you can look at some of the players at Man United that are just kind of fermenting and fizzing on the side, not really yeah. doing anything. They're just rotting away and, and you're like, for three take months. one of them and yeah. I bet they could turn him into a great player. Yeah, you know? remember what Phil Jones used to be like? Not Phil Jones. Do you remember what he used to be like at Blackburn? Eric, Eric Bailly, they, I think he'd be brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Just both of them concentration all over the place. Ian Boston's um, concentration. Yeah, <laughs> really bad. Awful. But I think Spurs, uh, 
I think the spine of the team, I always talk about spines of teams, but the spine of the team at Spurs seems to be, was Lloris, then it's, you know, you could pick one of three centre-backs. Sissoko, who's probably been in the top three centre-mids this season, year. he's been absolutely unbelievable. If it wasn't for Son, give it Sissoko. He's, he has just been, I mean, you talk about like, people doing U-turns on their career. Like, he has somehow gone from being a sort of, shady winger who you don't quite trust. You know, you don't, he's never going to bring it on the big games. Now he's a centre midfield linchpin who's dominating important games. The biggest games. The biggest, the Ajax game, perfect example, with the first leg where he came on and the game completely transformed after that. Yeah, he's bashed teams that winning the Chelsea game for them is a real key, a turning point for the, um, Spurs, did they beat him something like three zip? Yeah, and just, yeah. He just dominated in midfield. So but, they've got um, plenty of materials there to work with. And so for you, it's a simple case of add more players yeah just give give the other players a break so that you can rotate you look at players like Trippier and that that after the World Cup had a we're still riding the coast of a you know crest of a wave but then had this lull and that's when he could have done with a little break and he got one but probably through injury yeah. and and lack of form rather than being able to go do you know what being able to earmark that because those are the sort of things you see in training and you just look at a player and go I'd like to give him a week off I'd yeah, like to yeah. do, you know, give, the, give that player a little bit more looking after than, than and it can't be coincidence that they've had so many injuries so many muscle injuries yeah, as well just overplaying them I think it, there has to be something it's yeah. like again to go back to United and their fitness issues they had I think five players out with hamstring injuries in, in March and it can't be coincidental can it no I remember when Ryan Giggs used to get hamstring injuries and they put it down to um, the clutches the stiff clutches on the sports cars he was buying do you know that so they made them buy automatics after that and do yoga cleaner legs well the yeah, the, the yoga thing was interesting because I uh, the yoga guy that went in and, and he, that made the careers of a lot of Man Man United players longer. When I first moved to Manchester, I hit him in my car. Uh, (laughs) So I I cut up this guy at the lights and I banged into his car. Yeah. And he was really scruffy and he came out. It was one of those Rovers, you know, when Rovers got discontinued when they went bust. Yeah. So in all of their cars, as soon as you hit one, it was a right off. off. So I was like, he come and he looked at me and I was right off. I was going, it's not right off. It's a dent in there, get that out. So I had this argument with a yoga teacher and I was wearing my Macclesfield Town kit at the time and he just looked at it and seen number nine MG and I'm like, oh God, he now knows who I am. So then I disputed it. This is, a, yeah. I, this is worth listening to. I, I disputed <laughs> this with him and then he... I think he put some kind of like bad juju on me because then for the next five so years... So yoga teacher, not sort of voodoo preacher. I don't know. At that time, I couldn't <laughs> tell. But basically, my career didn't really get a lot better after that point. <laughs> All I remember was in my very last year of my career, this is about five years later, I'm at Stockport County, we're doing uh, yoga and like, because this guy's coming in and I went, that's the guy. And it was the yoga teacher that I'd hit in a car. Oh my so God. to undo the juju, I went up to him and I said, you might not remember me. And he goes, yeah, it's Martin. Do you remember we had this accident? I was like, you it's remember? MG9. And he goes, yeah, it was, quite just, it was quite traumatic. And he goes, in the end, you having to take it on. And I went, yeah, but I lost all my no claims and my insurance went up massive and then I was terrible for years. And, and it, <laughs> basically he went, oh, I've been basically, my career's gone on the up since that time. And wow. I've looked, until I was looking after the Man United and Man City players because I, you know, once they get one guy, it was Giggs and Neville and all these yeah, guys yeah, that were yeah. going, oh, this, this guy's elongated our career. And, you know, then and he came into Stockport and then I got released. So the juju wow. continues. But that guy... It's like Cain and Abel. It, it really was. <laughs> and even more bizarrely, this guy, I found out that because the girl, a girl who was in his yoga class came out and went, uh, it was Mark Chapman's sister, you know, Chappas from yeah, BBC. Yeah, She's Chappas. friends with a group of mates in Manchester. And she went, you hit my yoga teacher. And I was like, he was a yoga teacher. He's just like a tramp that was driving a Rover. Mm. And she was like, going, yeah, he's a really nice guy and you hit his car and you know, you're not going to pay for it. I was like, it's a tiny dent. 
stuff. And I was like, oh. So, you know, in little, retrospect. A behind the curtain there, you know, it's a, <laughs> it's, it's a another, movie you trap. Yeah, Who I'm is this guy I'm talking to yeah. right now? This is... <laughs> Well, Tales from the Lower Leagues. Yeah, can we cut all that out, Leon? <laughs> no, no, let's, no, we'll play it twice. <laughs> we'll play it twice. <laughs> then the second time, louder than the first one. I love yoga now, guys. I love everything about yoga and all that. Did you ever get into any of that? What? Did you ever? And, and you, did you have any coaches that had sort of any new age, newfangled ideas? Well, I had loads of coaches that had newfangled ideas. Diddy Man brought this guy in that gave us all hamstring injuries because he was, <laughs> he was literally, he then took us all that Bikram yoga and all the Stockport yeah. lads, half of them are scousers and they would just chat up birds in the Bikram yoga thing, which mm. is frowned upon generally. Yes. So um, some strange things going on at Stockport, but on the whole, love the people, love the place. Uh, just a shame about the demise of the football club and Bikram yoga. <laughs> I think Bikram yoga is on from strength to strength, doesn't it? Stinks, mate. It absolutely stinks. Is that hot yoga? Yeah. Okay. That's not. This isn't the podcast for that. Um, maybe we'll touch on it in a few weeks. Uh, in the meantime, uh, let's talk about Chelsea because transfer ban, as of yesterday, has been upheld. Good. They failed their uh, appeal. Good? Is it good? I don't know. I think actually what, what, this would be a got? great thing for They've Chelsea. They've got a ridiculous squad. Call the loan players in. Let's Absolutely. get them going. But is Sarri... So let, let's assume then that they, they transfer ban for, for two windows. That's a full season. Let's assume they recall some players. They've got plenty to choose from. They've got Rhys James, who's been on loan at Wigan. has been outstanding. Mason Mount at... at my club derby yes. Tamori at my club who will play for England at some point really? he's absolutely fantastic wow he's a young lad so quick reads the game so well and an intelligent centre back um, you've also got Tammy Abraham at Villa they've got lots of options Marat's is still a Chelsea player yeah. isn't he they have got players they can bring back however do you think Sarri is the right guy to have at a club where he's been there for one year has relied on his own signing so far and now has no money to spend well if if he goes, who are they going to get in? Because what manager is going to want to come to a club? Frank Lampard. There you go. I think yeah. Frank Lampard at Derby. I don't want him to go, but to me that would make sense. Yeah. And I think if he goes there, if there are less players, well, there are no players available for him to buy and he has to rely a little bit more on youth. It's quite a nice situation. And the likes of Hudson-Odoi and Loftus Street coming through. Yeah. I think the expectation will drop a little Correct. bit. And he's dealing with a generation of players who idolised him as they were growing up in I their formative football logic, years. I cannot flow your logic, Mark. Right. It makes sense. It makes sense. Yes. And pay Derby County 100 million, you can have him. <laughs> there you go. Minimum. There you go. Listen, uh, just before we go, I want to uh, uh, share you know, some commiserations to our fallen. So Plymouth Argyle this weekend, absolutely criminal that they were in the position to go down yeah. and went down. Uh, so it's sad to see that. Torquay came up, another one of the, uh, Gritton's exes on the rise. Yeah. Um, Notts County. Not Notts County have gone as well. Notts County, the oldest, yeah. Very well, sad. Local team to, to me as well. I know, a weird one. Because that's really disappointing. I think they think it's going to be a little bit easier than it is in the conference. It's a tough kind of place weird, to get out of. It's weird quote about it. Oh, we're such a big club, we'll be fine. But congrats to Sol Campbell. Again, just coming on to that, yeah, Mac Town, one of my old, and an absolute brilliant kind of breeding ground for uh, young managers trying to prove themselves. So, well done. Uh, let's see what he can do with a fresh season under his belt. Absolutely, and we'll just sign off by saying congrats to Derby County for getting the playoffs, but also Derby's under-18s last night won the uh, national championship, beating on, Arsenal. Yeah. Yes! Delighted with that. Uh, Frank Lampard to blood every single one of them next season. Last pod of the season next week. Join us. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Ladbrokes. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.